The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello! And uh, this is the podcast where Corey and I are trying to thin out our gap list and watch movies that we've not seen and maybe wouldn't watch if it were not for this podcast, um, especially this month, because this month is musicals, and Corey, it turns out, is not a big fan of musicals. I mean, big surprise. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised. Um, as much yeah. as you love music. I um, love music. That makes sense. And I, I, I keep forgetting this. You liked La La Land or didn't like La La Land? You and I clashed so bad on this, and I'm so surprised okay. that you keep forgetting. I hated La La Land from yeah. the opening scene. I'm like, what is this? I guess I'm in denial because I don't understand I you are. how anybody can not like that movie. It is and so I great. And I love, I love Ryan Gosling. Yeah, and I I absolutely love La La Land. I just rewatched it a couple weeks ago. Um, I watched both of Damien Chazelle's films in in preparation for First Man. Um, I, I rewatched both. I've seen Whiplash and La La Land. I've seen La La Land a few times now, um, but I'd only seen Whiplash once before. And I rewatched those a couple weeks ago. I think we might have already talked about them on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> but we did musicals for the month of September. I don't remember what my thought process was for it, other than I know there's a few that oh. I have on my gap list. Oh, because *A Star Is Born* is coming out. True. Um, which uh, I might, although uh, *Big Tuna* and our friend, mutual friend Brendan, who both of them have been on episodes of the Burke Reviews movie cast shows. Uh, I think both have been on top five once or twice. Brendan's been on Movie Club a couple of times back in the early days of the podcast. Um, and uh, *Big Tuna* has really upped his game with getting screeners and getting invites to like screenings and stuff. Nice. Because um, he he's he's going to college right now and he's in a bigger city, um, and so he's getting a lot. Like he's seeing basically everything that's coming out this weekend, for example, from all the big studios. He's getting invites to critic screenings, which I would love to try to do, but I know right now my schedule just won't let me get to Orlando that frequently. Um, but uh, he got an invite to A Star Is Born, um, the the critic screening, and it's on a Thursday night when I teach college classes, and I was um, like, man, I really want to see that one. I would be willing to uh, to potentially cancel my class. I think I'm allowed to cancel a class if I, especially because my class is kind of a hybrid online class. Um, like most of their work is done online. It's just uh, we get together so I can help them if they have questions, that kind of thing. Um, so, so I was like, oh, you know what? Let me see if I can cancel it. And before I could even type that out, he's like, oh, I, I already invited Brendan because I thought you couldn't come. And I was like, okay, well, if Brendan can't go, let me know and I'll see if I can cancel my class. But so now I'm waiting to find out if Brendan is going to go to the Stars Born critic screening early because uh, I really want to see it. I'm really excited about seeing it. And um, more relevant, uh, that's why we picked musicals this month, but also why we picked this week's movie, which we're going to be talking about the 1954 version of A Star is Born, which is the second of now four versions of this story. And they're all slightly different, but ultimately there's an older character who uh, mentors a younger character in the entertainment industry, and it varies if they're a musician or if they're actor or a combination, uh, like in the film we watched this week. Um, 
But before we get into that, uh, Corey, what is it about musicals that you hate? Is it just the the surrealist element of it that they like break in the song randomly? Oh God, I don't think we have time in the day. Um, that's definitely one of the things. Usually, the music is really bad. Um, oftentimes, the voices are very bad, and I don't understand why they're singing. I, I well, just don't understand. I can agree with that in certain situations, but there are musical is a very vague term when it comes to genre because it, uh, the old Broadway style musicals like Singing in the Rain. Have you seen Singing in the Rain? No, I've never had any interest in oh seeing it. Oh my god, it's such a great movie, and you know Debbie Reynolds is in it. Um, Carrie Fisher's <laughs> mother, and uh, oh man, I love that movie so much. Um, and but for the most part, the songs in that film, um makes sense like, diegetically like they they're not just spontaneous and um a, a, a couple of them are but like you could buy into it even with like if take away the music and you would still believe like the person is doing what they're doing because people are giving them weird looks and things like that like people are acknowledging that they're singing music like it's not just like um greece where they just randomly will break out in the song and uh, everyone's just choreographed and there's no like things like that i i often have a problem with that not always um I love La La Land, and that happens a few times in La La Land. Um, or, like, it's, La La Land goes very surreal at certain moments in the film. Um, but, um, like, musicals also, like, Once. Um, have you seen, I think I showed yeah, you Once, right? I liked Once. Because it's it's more... It's not really a traditional musical, right? Like, it is it is now a Broadway musical. They, they adapted the film into a uh, Tony Award-winning Broadway film. Or stage show, sorry. Um... And that is considered a musical, but it's not a traditional musical. All the songs are in context of the characters. They're musicians. So, of course, they sing and they play instruments. Like, you know where the music's coming from. Um, Sing Street could be argued to be the same thing, which is the same director and writer, John Carney. But And I'm wondering uh, about Hedwig. I would definitely... Hedwig is a Broadway musical as well. Um, it started there and then was adapted to a film. So, 100%, that qualifies as a musical. But again, so you have... That's what, and that's been my kind of change in my own philosophy. Is I don't like to blanket say I don't like a genre, because there's always exceptions. Um, in order to look at the other way, there are genres that I say, oh, I love these, but I don't love every movie in that genre. Um, <laughs> horror is a great example for you because you love horror, but there are tons of horror movies that you can't stand. Oh, easy. So that's that's all I'm saying. It's like I get it, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that of the four musicals we're watching this month, that at least one of them will find that sweet spot for you, and you won't you won't be regretting that we've spent so much time. Because these are the the one thing I did not consider when doing this genre uh, for the month was the length of musicals are often much longer than the normal movies I just, that we watch, and I just can't like. I think this movie was three hours long, and it's like I could watch two regular movies. Yeah, it was very close to three hours. Um, the the cut that we have because we do have the restored cut um, available to us, which I think is the only one that I saw available. Period. But um, we'll get into our thoughts on *Star Is Born* in a moment. We do need to hit um, what we've watched, if anything. I don't know if you've seen anything other than this movie because it did take up some time. Um, um actually, I did. Um, so I've been rewatching *Golden Girls* because it makes me happy. It's a great show. And- it's so good. And I love Rose so much. I will fight with anyone who says Rose is not the best. But mm. I went to see Juliet Naked on Sunday. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did know I did know that you saw that. I got to see that the week before, I think. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie? I loved it. Um, 
So I didn't really know exactly... Uh, I don't even know how to say this. I didn't expect it to be such a deep and, like, thoughtful and just really... I don't know. I guess fleshed out story from Ooh. the... You know, it just seemed kind of rapid <laughs> from the trailers. But I'm really glad. Um, it, I, it was actually very refreshing and kind of put my heart in the right place. And... I haven't, like, texted myself lyrics from songs and movies like I was during that move during that one, and I, like, texted myself lyrics from, like, three different songs, and I had to, like, download it as soon as I got home. I love it. Um, and I was a little confused. I love Ethan Hawke. That's why I went to see it. But I didn't realize that that's really him singing because it sounds like, and now that I'm going to talk about it, it sounds like, oh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, did Je- Jeff Tweedy, like, sing the songs for this or, you know, whatever. And um, But I really, really, really enjoyed it a whole, whole lot. Well, I'm really glad because I, I recommended it. And so if you hadn't liked it, I would have felt pretty pretty bad about uh, my suggestion. <laughs> it's um, always so funny because we actually oftentimes see pretty eye to eye. You might be, like, more gracious towards a movie than I am. But I feel like most of the time we do see, you know, have pretty, like, oh, did you like it? And we're kind of on the same page. And you're always afraid to, like, suggest things well, now. I think My Name is Doris, um, or Hello, I My Name is Doris, is the yeah. one that really threw me. Because I totally thought you would love that movie. And I was so uh, off. And that is, I think ever since then, I've been, like... I, I think that I, that's... It, I feel like that's the only one, though. It might be, and it was enough to make me gun-shy, though. Um, oh, I'm af- no. I'm afraid of it repeating, I guess, because I really loved Hello, My Name is Doris, and so did Brendan, uh, which is, that was a weird coincidence where Brendan and I in- ended up sitting next to each other in that theater, not even realizing we were sitting next to each other for a good, like, ten minutes. Um, that's hilarious. And, um... You both thought we, I was going to love it. We both were like, oh, Corey will really enjoy this, and then you you, you baffled us. Um, and that happens with Brendan and I, too, like, where we'll, I'll, I'll assume he'll love something and he won't, and then something that I hate he'll love or whatever. It, it happens like that on occasion. And, you know, while we have similar tastes overall, there's definitely things that just speak to our personalities differently. And um, Nick Hornby, who I'm not super familiar with, I've n- I haven't read any of his books, um, I've not seen About a Boy, which is another one of his books that was adapted with Hugh Grant. And I don't know why I haven't, because I tend to love Hugh Grant movies. Um, I haven't seen many of them, but the ones that I've seen, like uh, a rom-com that I'm a big fan of that most people Notting probably... Notting Hill? Uh, no, Music and Lyrics with him and Drew Barrymore. Um, oh, I never saw that. It, I didn't mean to see it. It was like on TBS one morning and it caught... Because uh, it's... They're songwriters in the movie and that just... It speaks to my sensibilities in a lot of ways with like watching two people try to craft a song. Even though it's not... It's like pop music and not something I would generally... Especially when I saw it, but... It just clicked with me, and about a boy for some reason I just haven't got to. But high fidelity is a favorite of mine, and um, that's where the top five movie thing came from. It is a it's something I've I've seen. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen high fidelity. Um, it was one of my first interactions with Jack Black as a musician. Uh, I I knew I saw him sing on that long before I ever heard Tenacious D, um, and I'm it was long before he he became Tenacious D, but. Um, I, I was uh, really excited when I realized that Nick Hornby had written this book, and I like Ethan Hawke. Rose Byrne is becoming a favorite of mine. 
Um, she she's done a few other things. Like she's in um, what what? Bridesmaids. Uh, she's in the well. Yeah. Oh my goodness, she is in Bridesmaids. Um, yeah, she's the jerk. Yeah, and I, I didn't even. Chris O'Dowd is in it too, and yes. I just watched that like a like the week before I went to see Juliet naked, so it was well, kind of funny. Well, um, I, she's in X Men uh, First Class and X Men Apocalypse, um, and I like her in that. And then uh, she's going to be in a comedy coming out this uh, December with Mark Wahlberg that actually had me cracking up in the trailers. Is they're they're a married couple. And they decide to adopt, and like so, they're like looking into uh, adopting, and um, it, it looks pretty funny. I was actually surprised because I don't always Wahlberg and I are hit and miss, but uh, I tend to like him in comedies for some reason. Um, but I I really enjoyed uh, Letters to Juliet. That's not what it's called. Why do I keep doing that? Juliet Naked. Um, Letters to Juliet is a really crappy uh, Amanda Seyfried movie, I think. Um, but. Uh, is that the only thing you've seen? Uh, Golden Girls and um, Letters to Juliet? Dang it. Juliet Naked. <laughs> yes, because this movie was 27 hours long. Oh, ouch. Uh, that's not boding well for its review of, from Corey. But um, <laughs> uh, I saw a few things. Um, as, I, as I said uh, last week, I started doing the AMC thing. So I see two to three movies on Saturday um, to kind of knock them out. So Saturday I went and saw Kin. Um, which I was really, really hoping was going to be good because uh, Jack Rayner, who's the brother in Sing Street, the older brother in Sing Street, um, is the older brother in this movie. Um, it, it's it's not good. It's actually really bad. Uh, it's pretty stupid. My review just went up on BerkeleyViews.com um, the other day, so feel free to go and get my all my thoughts. I wrote a lot about it because I was very displeased. Um, then uh, I, I just realized my ringer's on on my phone. Um, I saw The Nun, though, which you saw last week. You saw opening night. I saw two days later. But we've recorded a podcast in between those two times. Um, I uh, I thought The Nun was fun. I didn't love it, though. I, I definitely think it's one of the weaker entries in the Conjuring universe. Ooh. Oh, you thought higher of it than I did, huh? I did not. Okay, so I felt like I liked the first Annabelle, I think it was. I don't know. Corey, you there? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. um, sorry, I had my mute button on on accident. Um, <laughs> so I, besides The Conjuring, because that's one of the best horror films <coughs> ever made, we can fight about it. Um, I like The Conjuring. I oh, I know. I'm just saying. If anybody, oh, okay. any of our two listeners, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel like after that, they all kind of get a little muddy about what's happening where. But I don't. Oh. I think that. I liked the first Annabelle, although I thought it was ridiculous. So, I, you know, but I feel like I like this one better than the last Annabelle. Really, I liked the last Annabelle a lot. I actually have not seen the first Annabelle, um, but uh, I I thought the nun was kind of cheesy at times. Like it it didn't it didn't have the same tone that the other films have had. Like it 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 felt the closest thing I could describe it to, and it was mainly because of Frenchie, it felt like Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, where there's like, oh, like an, well, I love Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, Mummy, and he's not the director, but he's the lead in it, and I don't want to confuse it with Tom Cruise's The Mummy, which was awful. Um, I, I really liked The Mummy from back in 90, whatever it was, and, but the tone in that movie has like an action adventure with a little bit of horror in it, where, that's not been the Conjureverse, and I especially didn't think it made sense in The Nun, but Frenchie 
even his like attire and like his necklace reminded me of Brendan Fraser's character. Oh um, yeah, a lot. And so it, I found the tone kind of back and forth throughout the film, like struggling um, to decide what it wanted to be. I and, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go. Um, it was kind of strange, but it didn't stop me from laughing. Oh, I laughed so hard that guy was pretty funny um but there i don't know i felt like i was saying more in this movie than i have probably in any horror movie ever why are you doing that yeah why are you going to that noise why are you going you know i just felt like they kept doing that stuff in the movie like you come after me one time and i'm leaving you know what i mean like yeah I also, I didn't feel like the nun was really that prominent in the story. Like, neither I, was she the... even really a nun? Like, I don't really, you know yeah. what I mean? Is yeah, that just don't, like... They don't really give us much more than what we already had. Um, we just get to experience her tormenting somebody, you know. Um, they do, like, exposition the backstory at one point, but I don't know. I, I found it to be overall kind of a weak movie, but... Not unenjoyable, mind you. Like, it wasn't like Slender Man or something where I was mad yeah, at Yeah, guys. It. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. Yeah. It's not as bad as most of the stuff that comes out. Yeah, exactly. It's still... It's just not as good as, like, The Conjuring, which I take as, like, a, a serious horror film. This felt like another piece of that that universe-building puzzle, which you mentioned, anyways, that they put a lot of time into trying to connect it, where all of that feels kind of generic and forced, so... Yeah, exactly. And I just don't understand why they chose her sister to play that part and then they didn't connect it somehow. I was waiting yeah. for that to like, oh, I'm giving spoilers. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's not much of a spoiler because it's not in the movie. So I guess it's, that's the spoiler that there is no reason for her to be cast out. And there's I saw a post online that outright just said that that she was cast because she did the best job. No, no other reason. It's just a coincidence that it's Vera Famiga's sister. Um Anyways, uh, not to spend too much time on these other movies, but I also saw Operation Finale um, with Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley. Um, I was entertained by the movie. It is also got some weird tone things. Oscar Isaac is kind of playing Poe Dameron. Um, he's making a lot of jokes and being witty in a, in a movie that involves um, espionage and Nazis. Um so I was a little little thrown by that at times, although still I find Oscar Isaac so charming I was okay with it, I guess. Um, my review for that will be up later this week, or by the time this podcast posts, it'll be up. Uh, I saw Peppermint with the new Jennifer Garner revenge killer movie. Um, didn't didn't love it. Uh, had a lot of problems with most of it, actually. Um, but yeah, that happened. And then uh, the only other thing I've been able to watch this week is The Star is Born. Um, although I did watch it all in one night. Did you take multiple nights to get through it? All right. Corey? OMG! I'm running away. I'm firing myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, I It did. I am proud of myself that I only broke it up over two nights because that's a lot. It was longer than I, I expected, because if you look at IMDb, it only says two hours and 34 minutes, and but I, thi- it's, oh, I think ahead. that's the original cut. Well, not the original cut. I think that was, like, the theatrical cut that ended up happening, um, which which is one of the things I, I'm really intrigued by this movie. So we're going to get into our review of A Star is Born, so let's go through the stats. Um, A Star is Born from 1954, uh, which, again, is the 
second of four versions of the film. Uh, there was one, I think, 20 years before, 20 years after or so in the 70s with Barbra Streisand, and I forget who the uh, the male was. Um, and then coming out now, uh, this in within the month, um, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut and starring role with Lady Gaga um, of their version of A Star is Born, which I am extremely excited for. Uh, I cannot wait. I, even the I'm not a fan of country music, which appears to be the the music of the movie. Like it appears to be that he's a country singer. Um, but I'm loving the songs from the trailer, so uh, I'm very very excited about it. I hope it's great. Um, the reviews that I've seen are mixed, but that's kind of what I expect anyways from that. So because um, it did premiere at TIFF uh, last week, I believe. Um, this movie, though, the one from 1954, stars uh, Judy Garland, and this was one of her like uh, attempted returns after her success with Wizard of Oz. Her career kind of went south, and this was an attempted um, comeback movie, uh, although not without its share of problems, which we'll get into. Uh, James Mason as the, uh, the male lead in this film, and um, we saw a movie with him earlier, I think this year, uh, when we were watching some Stanley Kubrick stuff, we watched Lolita. Um, but I'm also a fan of his from North by Northwest, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, he plays alongside Cary Grant as the bad guy in that film. Um, and then there's a few other p- names. Salem's Jack Lot. Carson. What happened? Salem's Lot. Oh, I don't think I've seen Salem's Lot. That's a <gasps> Stephen King book, though, right? I love the movie. It's a made-for-TV movie, but... Yeah. I didn't realize. Is he one of the older guys in that, then? Because that's... He's kind of like the keeper okay uh jack carson charles bickford tommy noonan um i like tommy noonan's character in this movie um lucy marlowe and then everyone else kind of takes just like quick roles they're not in it very much uh it's directed by george i'm gonna say cucker or kukor i'm not 100 percent on the uh enunciation which of course would be perfect for me um, it's only got seven critic reviews for Metacritic, but it's got an 89 on the Metascore, 7.8 IMDb user score. Um, now, before we get into our thoughts, I do want to kind of touch on that TCM article I sent you. Um, I found an article, because I'm watching this movie, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing at first, although I'm also, I'm dreading the three-hour runtime, because I, I, still, I'm still sick. I've been fighting this cold for like two weeks, and it just will not go away. So I'm, I'm not always feeling 100%, and it's like, I'm like, it's three hours is going to be, that's a long time. Any any time I'm watching a movie that long, it's like a commitment, and if I don't like it, especially, um, like The Phantom of the Opera was kind of hard to get through, so I was really worried, and I'm, I'm but I'm enjoying what I've seen so far of this film. And then there's this moment where it goes to still pictures with a Ken Burns effect, which if you're not familiar out there listening, uh, the Ken Burns is a uh, documentary filmmaker who would take... Um, predominantly photographs and turn it into a documentary often on PBS uh, Ken Burns Vietnam and things like that it's very 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 popular uh, style but what he did to make the still photos move was he either zooms in or zooms out or has them pan across the screen so you're not just looking at still images with voiceover and um, uh, we're seeing this in this movie from from 1954 and I'm like why are we using still images all of a sudden it was a really weird at the time, I thought, choice while I'm watching the movie, but I'm like, there's no way this is on purpose because it would randomly cut back to video footage and then back to still images, but you have full voiceover, full dialogue, and I'm like, why would they not just shoot the images? And so I went looking and found this great article on TCM uh, talking all about the 1954 uh, Star is Born and all the drama 
that's behind it. And I'm not going to read the article to you, but feel free. Um, I will link this in the show notes um, and on the website. So if you want to read the article for yourself, go for it. But I was uh, so much of this movie. Uh, it's it's also weird. I've been listening to another podcast, Corey. I don't. I think I've talked to you about this. Um, the Secret History of Hollywood. Uh, you no, I don't think you have. Okay, so there's there's it is one of the most amazing produced podcasts that I've listened to. It is almost like um, a radio show from like the old days, where it's, it's like this guy's got music and he does amazing um, research. And the first series that I listened to, he has two series right now. Um, so the the podcast is the secret history of Hollywood, but then there is a series called Shadows, and each episode has a different subtitle. So it'll be like Shadows, um, the Cat Strikes, Shadows, Song of the Dead, Shadows, the Black Hearted, and all of the Shadow episodes are talking about Val Luton, who is a uh, Hollywood producer who um, is most notorious for or most known for the Cat People, um, which I bought on Criterion during the Criterion sale because I have become a huge Val Luton fan because of this podcast. Um, and I finally started going back. There's a three-part series called Bullets and Blood. And I've only listened to part one so far because these are like long podcasts. Like this will take you days. It's almost like an audio book. Um, but Bullets and Blood is talking about the rise of Warner Brother Pictures and all the things they did. And so I'm listening to this podcast. I just started listening to the Bullets and Blood like last week. And it's talking about how Warner Brothers became a studio and um, and the advent of the things that they brought in, including the talkies. They're the ones who brought in the jazz singer um the first uh spoken word movie and so when i start reading this article and find out that the star is born is another as a warner production and they're dropping uh harry warner and jack warner who i'm now very familiar with because of this podcast i'm listening to um i'm like oh wow they're involved with this production and all the chaos that that goes in but um harry warner was not happy with the runtime uh, of the film and the director uh, Cooker was not in the in the country so he cut the film how he wanted it uh, Warner did and then they melted down the actual film stock <laughs> so that they didn't have the the whole film anymore um and then in the 80s um or I guess it was in the 70s they found the full audio track all three hours of the audio and to recut the film they compiled whatever they could. So they got still images, they got whatever footage they could possibly find to give you the original cut that played, which was close to three hours. And so that's what we watched. And so that made me, it was not a choice to have still images in this movie. It was a choice by a, an editor later to give us the full experience as best they could, given the interference by a studio at the time. So it's got, there's so much history in this movie that as a film lover, I just find it really compelling anyways. I already found it compelling because how many movies have they done four times now? You know, like, um, the, the interesting thing, uh, I think it was Battleship Pretension is another podcast that I listen to and have spoken about frequently. They mentioned, like, there should have been a 90s version of this movie because if you look, it's 30s, 50s, 70s. They skipped the 90s, and now we're in the teens and the 2000s. So we should have had a 90s version. Like, who would have been the guy and girl in the 90s you know like it's really interesting to like dreamcast who would have been the um the characters or the actors in that movie from the 90s um would it have been grunge music you know uh like someone's like coming out of the seattle grunge scene or something like it could have been really really cool if they had done a 90s version of this movie but um there's so much history to this the premise of this film 
and then uh, the behind the scenes stuff with Judy Garland is very tragic and it's kind of interesting because she her real life persona kind of mirrors um, James Mason's character in this film um, you know like a superstar who's like found drugs or alcohol as a crutch and is spiraling yet trying desperately to cling on to their career like it's it's even more tragic knowing that while you watch this film um but uh do you have any thoughts not about the movie yet but just about the article and stuff like the history of the movie i i don't know why they let it get so out of hand when Mm. i was like reading it i was just like why did they allow all of this to happen like you're just looking at all the costs you know that it was the studio and how they lost so many days filming because she just wasn't coming to work because she didn't feel good but she's then out doing these other events or doing other things and not resting and i'm just like so just well, i got the impression because of that that she was like um playing hooky oh. though you know, like, calling in the sick and then not actually being sick. Yeah, exactly. I, I just, I don't know. If I acted that way at my job, I would get fired. And, I mean, it wasn't like she was at the height of her career. So I'm just true very intrigued with why they let it. Because you'd, like, read through that article, and I'd like to look at the numbers and stuff, even though it's kind of hard. Um, they did make some, um, like estimates to how much that would have been worth during whatever year um to kind of give us a better idea but you're just looking at all these different things that cost so much money and i just i'm trying to think of another movie um you just i can't even remember what other hollywood actress kind of around that time was doing the same thing and i just you just don't know why they let it happen yeah i mean you know, a lot of it is the studio system was all about, like, the public persona of their their actors and actresses um, and trying to make them happy. And, you know, they live these large lifestyles and they were kind of, you know, turned into um, something more than just a, an employee. You know, like there was something like not godly, but I mean, in a way, like we treat them kind of like greek gods you know where they're elevated they're above us looking down at us and we we don't necessarily worship them but we look up to them and we um we aspire to be like them and yet we also look at them with disgust and disdain as to how they treat us it's and i I still think there's some degree of that now but uh, back then especially and you kind of see it in this movie um when she becomes yeah churches and stuff Yes, well, and how the the fans like stalk her at points, um, and come running at her because they they idolize her. And if you watch Singing in the Rain, you actually get Singing in the Rain is similar, um, in some ways because it it's it's in 1950s. It came out in the, the 1950s, but it's set in the right at the time when the jazz singer comes out. So it's um, they're a silent film star, and then a talkie comes out, and now they have to adapt. And um, the female character in that in the the lead female character in the silent era can't she doesn't have a voice for talkies like her, her voice is obnoxious and it's a really funny bit in singing the singing the rain's hilarious Corey. i'm just i can't stress enough how great that movie is but um the uh that whole time period is kind of reflected here as well and like that the arranged marriages and and the studio setting up this persona that your character in your movie was also who people thought you were in real life 
um, Charlie Chaplin was the tramp to everybody. Like, it wasn't just in the films. That was a part of the process. And while this movie is definitely not set in the 30s, it's set at the time that the movie's taking place um, in the, you know, in the 50s or whatever, but it's still a very compelling um, look at this, at Hollywood and how Hollywood treats its, its, you know, stars. And um, I don't know, I found, I found a, a lot to really latch onto with this film. So what are your thoughts about A Star is Born, Corey? Oh man, the hate mail is going to come. I never want to watch it again. Why though? Uh, because it's long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can get more into that later. I just, and it, I just don't. I wasn't compelled at all. I found myself doing other things to try to have something to do while this movie was on. I just, yeah. Well, I will uh, try to remind you that this is a podcast, so you have to speak more. But nonetheless, um, I will but take I feel over. like <laughs> this will be better after the spoilers, because okay. I'm better at giving examples. Um, I I really found myself uh, completely into this movie. Uh, right away, um, James Mason's character, uh, early in the first scene, when he shows up, they're, they're at a uh, Night of Stars performance thing, where they have all these different um, celebrity like showcase and he's supposed to show up, but he shows up drunk. And, oh man, his drunken character makes me so uncomfortable in this movie that uh, right away I'm like, wow, they've they've really nailed this. Because I felt like he was... Kanye? I, Kanye? Well, no, but... At all the uh, words. <laughs> but Why I, does he keep getting invited? I've had some bad experiences with alcoholics in my life where... Oh. Um, even just drunks. Uh, not necessarily alcoholics, but just people who are like way too drunk where they're just in your space and you know like anything you say could push them the wrong direction like they can either become really really lovey and and sweet or whatever or you can send them in the other direction they're going to punch you in the face and you don't know you're you're walking on eggshells and there's this you want to punch them but you know that won't solve anything so you're just kind of in this state of tension and that's while watching that play out i felt that and um, I was like, I hope this isn't going to be the whole movie because I'm really, really stressing out um, this early. And it, it's not, though, because he finds her. And um, I, I really bought into the love story between them. And I thought Judy Garland was excellent in the movie, um, her singing voice especially. Um, well, I don't I wouldn't generally listen to the music that is being performed because it is more like Broadway musical type songs. It's not... Uh, even if it might have been something people would have listened to at the era to me it doesn't it seems like something you would see on stage not something you would put on to listen to at night while you're cleaning the house or whatever like it's not that type of music in my opinion <clears throat> um but i was moved by the, the music in it i thought her voice was phenomenal um there were a lot of musical numbers that were added back uh because of the edit that we got to see Um, Because, again, we saw the full, basically the full three-hour or close to three-hour version of the film that's available. Um, And so all the songs were put back in. Uh, Again, the TCM article will walk you through. If you're listening and you want to watch this movie, you want to know what was added, the TCM article does discuss all of those changes. Um, I I was really into this, and I definitely, um, I would say I would totally watch this again. I would have to be, you know ready to watch it again i i would prefer to see it um 
I wish the original film was there because the parts with the still pictures does stand out like a sore it's thumb. Dis- like disjointed. Yeah, it, it's very obvious that something is off. Um, and they tried to, to make it... Like, the photos are like uh, sepia or sepia tone. Like, they're black and white, which the movie is not. Um, but they at first I thought it was supposed to be like paparazzi um, photos or something. You know, like as if we were entering a different perspective of the movie. And then... Uh, but then they were, they didn't really add up um, story-wise because of what we were hearing and seeing. And I do think it throws some of the narrative off because the pictures don't completely match what's happening on screen because they didn't take a bunch of pictures. They just took some behind-the-scenes photos. They had what they could get. Um, and that, that it, did, it did definitely uh, affect my viewing. And again, if I hadn't read the article, if I had just seen the movie had no information about why those pictures were there, my assumption would have been that the director did some weird thing and decided to include this, and that's not the case, but it did it did make me pull back initially, because I'm like, why did they do this? This is awful. Um, so I wish the original version was available to see all that um, footage, and I apparently when it debuted with the full version when they did the screen test people loved it and then when the edit was done people like resisted the movie and it did poorly and it lost a lot of money um at the time it was the second highest cost uh film to be made um and it wasn't supposed to be but because of the delays with uh judy garland's you know shooting and things like that and uh she demanded parts be shot at night and jack warner who (coughs) from what i've learned in the podcast uh was kind of a troublemaker anyways and kind of uh yeah jack warner um for the warner brothers uh who um he pushes uh the budget he he causes a lot of problems but um the the movie has it's definitely shared history but i do find the story super compelling and just the premise of she's a aspiring singer she wants to be um successful and she's been working to do so and has found a place she's in a band she's playing shows but um james mason's character is a superstar who's on his way out he's an actor um whose movies are doing less and less business and he has succumbed to alcoholism um and his name is norman main in the film and he hears her sing and he is inspired and he pushes to uh make her more and his encouragement is initially she doubts it she assumes it's the alcohol he does convince her finally and she starts pursuing uh an acting career that will involve music she'll be singing and whatnot um and it's 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 super compelling to me because i mean anyone i think aspires anyone who's ever aspired to be you know successful at something that's talent-based singing acting sports um, having someone who is already in the industry take you under their wing and do it f- with no ulterior motive initially. Like, he's not trying to... I never felt like he was trying to hit on her or anything when he started it. He just genuinely was moved by how talented she was. And there is something... I, I don't know if you noticed... You've seen the trailer for the new A Star is Born, right? Yeah. There's a, a scene in the movie where um, he's, he rolls the window down in the limo and he says, like... Hey, and she, Lady Gaga turns around and he's like, I just wanted to get one more look at you or whatever. Um, that line is in this movie twice. And oh, I know the last one. Okay. Yeah, and I, I thought that was really cool because I, I didn't, I don't know how much of the old ones will be in the new one and I've only seen this one. So I don't know how much those other two versions are similar. You know, if they're just similar 
through that. I know that premise of successful but aging and on their way out um, actor, character, singer, whatever, takes somebody else under their wing to bring them into the limelight. Um, I don't know if they all end in similar ways or whatnot, which I won't mention just yet until we get to spoilers, but I, I on the, the total opposite side from Corey, I, I think I might love this movie, um, or at least the idea of it. Uh, so um, with that, let's lead into spoilers. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. John might talk a little more than me. <laughs> it's usually the case, but you've been warned. Spoilers. Um, and if you want to watch this, we bought it on Vudu. Um, so it is available digital, but I don't think it's uh, it's not anywhere streaming for free. Um, like on if you subscribe to Prime Video or Netflix or Hulu. Uh, as of now, though, the uh, 70, the 70s version just came to Netflix this month. Um, so it's possible that this one might show up on some other streaming services. Um, I know the one from the 70s is supposed to be pretty bad. That's what I've heard, at least. Is that the one with Barbara Streisand? It is the one with Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was talking with one of my friends uh, that I went to dinner with last Friday, and she loves musicals. Mm. And she said that that is her favorite one. Ah, it's Chris Christopherson is the, uh, the oh, guy. Oh, that's um, right. And uh, oh, Gary Busey's in it. Um, yeah, uh, it's got a fifty-eight on Metacritic with only eight reviews, so about the same amount of reviews as uh, the one we watched. Um, Six point four IMDb user score, so just slightly less. And it has a uh, has been rock star falls in love with a young up and coming songstress. So Barbara Streisand. It's the same as far as the male is the older and the female is the the up and coming one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm probably gonna end up watching it. It's it is over two hours though, um, but and then the original one from 1937 is under two hours, um, and it's a young woman comes to Hollywood with dreams of stardom, but achieves them only with the help of an alcoholic leading man, whose best days are behind him. So that one um, is not a musical though, because it is a silent film. I'm pretty sure because it's from 1937, um, oh. so it couldn't have been a musical. Um, that one has a 77 on Metascore, 7.6 IMDb user score. Oh, dang. And, uh, but it does sound like it doesn't deal with music. It deals with acting solely, um, where the, ours kind of merges the two acting and music. And then it looks like the next two, the one from the seventies and the one that's coming out now is going to also just be music focused. Um, so that's an interesting kind of turn on that direction. But, um, so, uh, the movie ends and I think we should jump to the end and then we can get to everything but um norman has helped her become a superstar she's bigger than he is for sure at that time and uh she's taken a new name she was esther um when he meets her but uh the studio gives her their own name which was not uncommon it still isn't uncommon for actors to take stage names um she becomes vicky lester from esther um oh that rhymed i didn't even put that I together love the name esther i know i was like so i didn't i thought that they were like doing it backwards but yeah um but uh she's become like a, a superstar and there's this really long montage of her uh this movie that she there we're seeing her first big movie and it's this huge musical montage where she's telling her life story through various songs and there's a lot of them are um known songs but at the time that they were able to to just do really quickly and i really like that musical number um i actually like her singing in every song i think it's just she's super talented um, of course, I am also a fan of Wizard of Oz, which you are not. Um, 
but uh, Norman's alcoholism kicks in high gear. Um, he gets let go from the studio, and he kind of spirals, and um, she is ready to walk away from everything that uh, she's done, and um, he hears her say that, that she's going to give up everything so she can take care of him, because they love each other, and I, I, I 100% believed the love they had for each other. And that was one of the things oh, yeah. I liked about it. Even though his life is kind of spiraling, he's never really that awful to her. I mean, he, he makes some mistakes, like the Academy Award thing when he, he accidentally, like, he slaps her in front of everybody. Which is so obviously an accident. It, exactly. and uh, But he's devastated. Like, you see it in his face when he hits her. He is crushed like he you could tell it was an accident and you can tell he's not okay that it happened and i that made it like for me seeing that um he had a, i mean even for the time period because he's kind of taken the house husband role and in the 50s that's like n- unacceptable you know like for the man to stay home and the woman to work um and i felt like while that it dinged his pride it didn't he wasn't like resentful to her i, I never felt like i didn't feel like it was ever putting them against each other um it did make him drink more because he was depressed but i don't feel like it was like he never took it out on her like he was taking it out on himself he felt bad that he had fallen into this position and i liked that element too but so he hears her say she's gonna quit what she's doing to take care of him and he kills himself um he walks into the ocean and then we're told that he drowned um, and, uh, she, like, she's depressed and she's ready to give up on everything. And I love the words that Danny, Danny is, has been her friend from the get-go. Um, I really like Danny's character a lot throughout the film, but, um, he tells her that you're the only thing he took pride in. He, he, uh, he didn't want you to destroy you. He didn't want to destroy you. You were the last pillar of his success. And, like, encourages her. Like, he was so proud in what you became. Like, he was already fading when he found her. And he latched on to her to give her the the hope that she needed. Like, to even give her the motivation that she could be this star. He saw something in her that she doubted in herself. Um, and he pushed her in a, in a good way. He doesn't, like, push her, like, to go out of her comfort zone more than she's willing like he's not like some crazy obsessive coach opportunities yes and and says things to her that she says no one else had ever said to her before and motivates her um and he he doesn't do it for any like he's not doing it for money he doesn't see her as a way to get rich or a way to build his career again he just sees talent that is being squandered and he wants other people to get to hear it and i love that i love that element of this movie because it could have gone like you've seen other movies where that's the case Ooh, i can i can use you to get where i want to be or i can you know ride your coattails or something like that and he doesn't that's never his motive he genuinely loves her and wants her to be successful because he's so moved by her abilities and that is to me inspiring and um she is motivated to uh to go work because of that and she goes back to that where where they met at the um the night of stars or whatever they call it and the lipstick heart on the wall that he did at the beginning when they first met he draws this big lipstick heart with her lipstick puts their initials in it um and she sees that and that that almost broke me Corey, because i am a sap 
and that was just like, oh my god, they they haven't removed the lipstick off the wall, and he's gone now, and oh man, um, I was I was really moved, and I don't know, I I the movie worked for me um, for a lot of reasons, and um, it didn't for you, so I've said a lot. What do you got? <laughs> it didn't work for me at all. I felt like it was a three-hour movie with like an hour of content. I felt like everything just kept getting rehashed. Um, lots of filler that wasn't even interesting. Um, I don't really understand why it was that long. Um, it would have been very easy to paint him as a villain. And yeah. I do like that part of it. Um, also, I'm terrified of drowning. So right when he looked at the ocean, I was like, okay, so I know what's going to happen. And I kind of want the movie to be over but <laughs> i kept checking to see how much longer was left and can i make it can i make it um let's see um also i am sure you noticed that she talked she sung about being born in the princess theater of pocatello idaho it's oh. actually pocatello um anyways if i were born in pocatello i don't know if i would really tell anybody that but just kidding it's a small town and it's really boring what i've seen driving by it but i had to look it up to see if that was a real theater because i th would think that's very interesting but it's not a real theater but a theater renamed itself to be the princess theater after this movie came out oh wow yeah and it um i think that they had a stage where um you know they used to have like singers and performers and stuff and then they went to screening like movies but i thought that was kind of cool um I like the history stuff. And just kidding, if anybody's listening from Pocatello, Idaho, I know you can't. <laughs> um, well, but, um, yes. I looked up the new one, uh, Star is Born, to see how long this one's going to be. Two hours and 15 minutes. Two hours and 15 minutes. It right now has 23 reviews on Metacritic and an 89, oh, which is really, dang. really high. And a 9.2 out of 10 on IMDb user, but that's questionable because there's 6,000 uh, posts. And I don't know if it's been on 6,000, like, if 6,000 people could have seen it already. Um, it's it's debuted at, a, at, I think, two festivals, but still, like, 6,000 people seeing it. It's probably people rating it before they've seen it because they love Bradley Cooper or they love Lady Gaga. But still, 89 um, is a really high meta score, um, especially even though 23 reviews. But um, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, and I, I'm only more so because of the one I just saw because... I, I did like it. I don't... I, I didn't feel like there was filler. Like, what what is... Is there, like, a specific example you can give me of what you thought was, like, unnecessary content? I just felt like everything got drug out. I... Well, I mean... I don't I, know. I just felt like so much kept being said, or... I don't know. I didn't feel like there was enough going on to warrant it being that long. Well, so, there's, like, when he first... Uh, meets her and he convinces her to go back to the hotel room after he tracks her down like he he meets her she she kind of shuns him away he tracks her down convinces her to go after it he stays with her for a while set, gets her a screen test but then forgets the hotel because he's an alcoholic and he can't find her and there's this kind of like he gets dragged off to shoot a movie on a boat and there's this whole thing and that scene that's where a lot of the still images show up and that's disappointing because I think that's where you see like the initial like challenges because she despite being burned by him in her eyes 
she keeps going after this new dream that she didn't know she had she's getting she gets a commercial which then he hears her voice and like the whole interaction with um that that moment is wrecked because of the still pictures but i really think it still plays um because you know he goes looking for he's slow he's almost playing like a detective he's trying to figure out you know i know i can find her if i keep working and he ends up finding her and then you know he gets her the screen test that he promised uh through some creative he always follows through he does and that's again i really like you said it's been so easy to play him as a villain and i love that he's not and i really like james mason Uh, the more i've seen with him he's really talented because he plays each movie i've seen he's a completely different actor um this movie because that's why i was expecting him to be kind of a creep because like lolita he's a creep and then um in north by northwest he's a he's a evil like spy like he's a super bad guy in that and so i i wasn't sure what to expect and i ended up finding him super charming very endearing and never I goes the way voice oh yeah his his voice is so great and even the way he delivers dialogue is just there's just this charm and there's this air of comedy and wit and even at the end when it's going tragic he's he puts on a face for her to make her feel better so he can go off into the ocean you know he like oh let's go do this and he's trying so hard to be good and like and when he makes for her me. yes oh my god this the is that the dinner scene when he made her the sandwiches um i think that it was maybe right before that i there's so many little scenes um in this movie that i really loved and like the dinner scene he made her sandwiches and she's trying to bite the sandwich and she's like it's um I think you made it too big for my mouth or something like that. Like, it's just these cute little interactions. And I do think by today's standards, the pacing is slow. Um, but I, I was so into their relationship that I was, I was okay kind of lingering through. And I'm not just, I'm not saying I thought this was like the most exciting movie ever. I, I do think it's, there are lulls. And I, I think that's by design of the time period and stuff too. And that, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't think this is a movie that everyone will connect with. I definitely got, I latched onto the history aspect of it too. That article from TCM really pulled me in and I was really fascinated by all the stuff that I was reading. Um, I, I, I just enjoyed it. I, I, I can't even tell you, like usually with a musical, there's a song that like stood out and I'm like, oh, well, I love this particular song. I don't remember any of the songs by name right now. I can't think of like lyrics or one that really stood out outside of that long montage that I already referenced um but I enjoyed them when they were on and, and while I was enjoying them I was also telling myself these aren't songs that I would want to listen to like just as the song but in the movie I thought they were because none of the songs were like there was none of those spontaneous music breaks like all the songs were in context of people singing and like because even I think the songs where she sings like kind of acapella they like they justify where the music's coming from somewhere like or we're maybe assuming that she's singing to him without the music, but the music's there for our benefit or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I It worked for me, and I, I'm sorry that it didn't for you, because that was a long movie to put you through um, if you didn't like it. I was really regretting our theme this month. Well, you only got two more, Corey. Um, oh. <laughs> and two more, uh, and I think both of them are long. Um <sighs> Or at least one of them is for sure. I don't remember what you just changed your other one to. Uh, ah, we got a couple weeks for that one. Hopefully that last one you're going to like, though, because it's got two actors in it that you love. Um, yes. But uh, I think that's it for A Star is Born. Um, 
I really liked it. Uh, Corey didn't. Um, what's your rating, Corey? OMG. I... <laughs> My least favorite part ever. Even yeah. though I'm so bad at articulating what I need to say anyways. I am trying to bring it up. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a void like the plague. I hope I never watch it again in my life, but mm. I would say like one right above that. So not a total waste of time is our our rating system yeah. for that. I am going to go um, not quite Golden Pony Boy, but leaning towards must see. Because again, I actually kind of want to rewatch it now, but crazy. But it's three hours, so I'm not gonna. But um. I, I am planning on teaching this though. Uh, with we're hit, we hit musicals later in the year um, with my film one classes, and this is on my list of films I want to show them. I am I was gonna do Singing in the Rain and La La Land, but now I'm thinking I might do uh, Star Is Born, um, and then maybe La La Land or something else more modern. Um, I'm not doing High School Musical that much I know. Um, next week, um, I got to pick the uh, the movie for that one, and it's one that I, is on a list. Um, I think it's on the top 100 list on AFI, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's a musical that I know I've been meaning to watch and know nothing about, really, other than it's one many, many people reference and I've never seen. Um, and that is West Side Story um, from 1961. Uh, it is, Corey, two hours and 33 minutes. Um, I am I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It is... Um, it has the 86 on Metascore, uh, 7.6 IMDb user score. Natalie Wood is the star. Um, George Sharakis, Richard uh, Bamer, Russ Tamlin, Rita Moreno, Simon Oakland. I don't know most of these people. Ned, actually, Simon Oakland looks very familiar. Ned Glass. Um, and that's all I got there. I don't know any of these other people. Directed by Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise. Um very very famous musical two youngsters from rival new york city gangs fall in love but tensions between their respective friends build toward tragedy um yeah west side story uh new york based musical um will be our next viewing i have not done any research to see if it's streaming anywhere um but check it out if you want to give us your thoughts on west side story hit us up uh on either instagram or email us at contact at burkreviews.com that is contact at Um, Corey, where can they find you on social media? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And I am at Burke Reviews. Uh, follow up on BurkeReviews.com with reviews of the movies that we talked about earlier in the episode, as well as our back episodes of this podcast, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and many, many more things that you can read there. Um, Corey, thank you as always, and I'm sorry that I'm torturing you in the month of September. Oh, no, it's okay. Alright folks, until next time, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.